Sometimes it feels like the challenges of being a camp professional are too impossible to overcome. You are not alone in feeling this way. Today, Gabs, Beth, and I talk about the ever-changing and uncertain landscape of the world and how camp can survive as we move forward. This is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Go Camp Pro. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for summer camp leaders and directors at gocamp.pro. Do you ever feel like you're spending so much time at the office that you have no time left for camp? With UltraCamp, you can track attendance, manage staff applications, and streamline registration so you'll be back outside in no time. Find out more at ultracampmanagement.com slash campcode. Welcome to Camp Code, a podcast brought to you by GoCampPro. We have created and are dedicated to this podcast because we believe that staff training is one of, if not the most important part of your job as a camp director. Staff training is what prepares your staff to care for their campers, to feel confident in their skills, to do their jobs to the best of their ability, and to learn along the way. A well-thought-out and intentional staff training will help you in more ways than you can imagine, and we need to help each other bring our very best. Well, welcome everyone to the final podcast of our ninth season. I would like to start by having us introduce ourselves. So Ruby, can we go first? Can you go first, please? <laughs> Not so much. Sure we. We'll let you do it alone. <laughs> we can. Ready? All together now. Uh, this is Ruby Compton. Uh, she's an amazing individual. Pronouns are she, her. Yeah, yeah you yeah. got it. Uh, I'm the chief exploration officer for Ruby Outdoors. I'm based in Western North Carolina, and I'm a friend and supporter of camp uh, by doing trainings and I don't know, being the emotional support animal for camp directors, I feel like has been something I've been doing a lot of lately. Very good way of describing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, Ruby. And you, Gab? My name is Gabrielle Rail, and I love my job. I work at Camp Waro, Camp Waro's and All Girls Camp in the Laurentian Mountains. And we focus on creating a positive environment for gender minorities. And my pronouns are she, her. Thank you. And I'm Beth Allison. Obviously, it's a good thing this is our last podcast since we're starting to lose it just a little bit. I am co-owner of Camp Hacker and Go Camp Pro. My pronouns are also she, her. I am a camp consultant and a trainer. And of course, I'm incredibly passionate about building solid and supportive and purposeful communities. Well, today we're going to do things just a little bit differently. We have spent the last nine seasons talking about how to keep our staff engaged, on board with our mission, understanding the importance of camp and all its opportunities, and of course, the physical, emotional, and mental health of our people. Today's topic, our final one for our ninth season, is a bit of a deep dive into the health of our industry. We have taken a lot of hits over the last two summers, and we're still feeling the effects of the pandemic. Today, we'd like to discuss some of these issues that so many of us are struggling with and even share a few ideas we have to help do our part to heal it. So, Ruby, let's start with you. What, what struggles or challenges or simply changes have you noticed in the industry in the last couple of years? Okay, well, I know you said challenges, but I'm going to start with an interesting uh, conversation I had a couple of weeks ago with a newer camp director. Um, her first season as a, a full-time camp director was 2021. And I 
came in a couple weeks ago and was meeting with her at camp. And I said, well, you know, how are things going? How's staffing? And she's like, oh, it's it's fine. And I was like, really? Like, everything's fine. She's like, well, it can't be as hard as last year. We're way ahead of where we were last year. And I was like, honestly, I've been kind of surprised. So many of y'all new folks who came in have stuck around. She's like, again, last year was awful. So (laughs) nothing could possibly be as bad as last year. And I was really surprised by that because people who I know who were camp directors prior to COVID have really exodus. Ugh, did I say that verb <laughs> right? I don't know. <laughs> but, um, I, and, and some of that is like my cohort of friends are in the age range and the career stage of complete and utter disillusionment with camp mm-hmm. work. Yeah. Like why stay in it? And then you tacked on COVID where it was kind of like, all right, I'm going to get through these couple of years, but then I'm out of here. And, and these are some of the things that we hear over and over and over again. These are conversations that are happening um, across the board in lots of different industries. Camp is not unique in them, that we have a real lack of work-life balance that we were kind of promised this idea of, or maybe not even promised, but the idea of like, we're going to work really hard for three months, but it's going to be pretty easy the other nine months. No, that's not real. Um, <laughs> Never has been as far as I remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the, who was the, promising that? <laughs> that's what we want to believe. It is um, what we want to believe. The, At least a little easier those other nine months. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also seeing folks um, being in that in-between generation on caretaking where folks are caretaking mm, yeah. older aging parents while also caretaking for kids, be it their own kids or nieces or nephews or foster kids or whatever, like, and that we're an increasingly unwell culture where people are mentally very unwell and people physically are very unwell during a pandemic and all of the the health outcomes that have happened because of things getting put on pause and you know doctor's offices not feeling like a safe place to go and all that sort of stuff right i also see this thing that that i'm seeing a lot of in my area is that same idea of kind of like the the top 1% being in charge of camps and there's really limited growth potential for Mm. folks who are in middle management, um, that there's kind of like, there's a ceiling and they can't get above it. And that, that thing that happens in the rest of the world is happening to a degree in camp as well. And so it's like, why, why even stay in this? And, um, I, I read a a tweet today that was actually, I'm going to read the tweet to you and then I'll tell you the, the context for it. So the tweet said, why stay in low paying jobs requiring odd hours, uncommon levels of stress and increasingly frequent acts of deep disrespect. And I was like, Oh, that one hits me as a camp pro. But also this was somebody who was a member of clergy who has recently left their job. And so people who have been doing mm-hmm. care work and people work and service work over the last couple of years have found themselves in impossible situations. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I don't mean to start off as a big downer, but like these are big things that we're talking about that don't just get solved with, you know, just pay more money or just do this or just do that. Like it, it is a multifaceted approach to where we move forward and how we move forward. And the reality of it is there have been camps that have closed. There will be more camps that, that will close. Uh, in Sadly, yes. Years. Yeah. Um, and then I also think there are going to be other opportunities that arise as well. And you have to add into all of that two years of living in fear and isolation and anxiety. It's hard. (laughs) And people have dealt with loss, with death, 
with mm-hmm. illness, all of that. So I think a lot of that contributes to the another problem our industry is having, and everybody's talking about it, except for your friend that you mentioned right off the top there, Ruby, is people are finding it hard to find enough summer staff. It seems yeah. that everybody we talk to is searching for people to fill their positions. Like they just can't do it. It's, yeah. you know, we're about to start training for m- most of uh this part of the world. And people are without kitchen managers. People are without program directors, like big positions, not just counseling positions, um, but ones that require um, more experience. Um, And so I think it's just one of those additional things that, um, I don't know, everybody's anxiety levels have increased in the last two years. Yeah. And it's, it's like, and, and we're going through that too. We're, we're, we're looking for, you know, a, 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 you know, a kitchen manager for ourselves and, and, um, and it's very difficult out there looking for staff because, you know, we want to find the right staff. And unfortunately, you know, within the, the culinary industry, it's, it, it can be quite toxic. So a lot of people that we're, we're interviewing, it's just, they just are absolutely not a cultural fit for our organization. And, you know, I think, I think the other thing that um, that's difficult is, is actually redefining what care is, you know, how we care for our staff. And I think that, that what we maybe thought was us caring two years ago or three years ago, it's, that is no longer applicable today. And so it's also that confusion of, of you know how much time can we give our staff members while at the same time we don't have enough staff members while at the same time we want to pay our staff members but at the same time prices are going up for pasta gas everything cereal, everything um and families are a hard time financially supporting um, themselves to send their kids to go to camp um i think camps are really in this vice grip and and mm-hmm. we've Camp directors, camp pros have always been in a position of sort of being on their own, on their own island throughout the year. And so we also don't have that resource of connecting with each other, problem solving. But with COVID, it makes us even more separated from other, right. uh, you know, other organizations, other other camps that can help us. I, I know conferences have, have started to pop back up um, this year, but it's it's still difficult to sort of connect with each other and 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 see how can we look at it, but it is Ruby, as you said, it's it's much it's so much greater in a systemic way. Um, you know, how, how do we do it? Camps have always felt, I think, camp pros have always felt, I have to do it all, and I don't have the time. And now it's um, it's that times you know ten. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't have the time, and now you have to do more things. Well, yeah. I th- I think before <laughs> you knew what you had to do, it was just a big list. Now yes. it's redefining what you have to do and you don't we still have that big list but we also have to keep exploring again like what I said like what is what does care caring for my staff what does that look like you know it's a it's a it's 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 a it's a pickle (laughs) and I and I think we're adding also like increased tensions in world relations yeah in political and social strife there's a war in Ukraine there are protests around the world and people are not just accepting injustice anymore and are doing something about it. This, this is a good thing, but it seems like there's every day more and more things come to light about how the world is 
not what we used to think it was or has changed. And people seem angrier, less patient, more willing to say angry, even hateful things online or in person. And that idea that we're all in this together has really taken a hit. And I think that that also affects relationships with staff, with families, with campers, because everybody's on edge. Everybody's touchy. You you say one thing or send out an email and you're going to get somebody you've upset by that. And so I think it's this walking on glass all the time, sharp edges of glass. Yeah. And it's not walking on eggshells, right? Mm. Like, I think that for me was, that was one of my biggest challenges with staff training was I want our staff members to not walk on eggshells. Um, Mm. I want them to get comfortable and like, you you know, and, and really connect to our organization, make it feel like it's home, but I need to get them from walking on eggshells to walking on ground. I do. I agree with you. It's walking on glass. And I think there's real Mm -hmm. things that are very threatening. Um, The environment, I think, trans rights, um, BIPOC rights that are Mm -hmm. being truly, truly um, threatened, Uh, women's rights. This is a, this is, these are very real um, realities and stresses um, that we're all experiencing. And at the same time, we're trying to run a business that supports youth. And this is what youth is being faced with. Um, and a lot of camp pros are trying to do it on their own. Mm -hmm. And I think if we add to that too, um, the cost of inflation, you touched on this a bit Gabs, but it's made it impossible for a number of families to send their kids to camp. Often in those difficult financial times, extracurricular activities like summer camp are put on the back burner until those funds become available. Ruby, anything else? Any other good news? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think I think one of the things I, that was in that same Twitter thread that I quoted earlier, um, and we'll link to it in our show notes, um, was an aha moment of, again, this was from a clergy person who was saying, you know, I get folks into my building and, and in my care one day a week, and then the media gets them for the other five to six days. And I think that very much applies for camp as well. Uh, and it's, it's for our campers, it's for the parents, it's for the staff. We have to, to keep in mind that it's a very noisy world for folks. And that just the simple act of coming to camp can feel very out of the ordinary, (laughs) uh, at this point, um, where you're, you are disconnected and, you know, um, you are living in community and you're not super isolated and you're spending more time outside. And, you know, all those things are, are really, I, I don't think of them as weird, but they're actually very weird for a lot of folks. Um, and, and getting people on board with that, I think is only going to get harder, even if (laughs) the world is telling us like, we need to spend more time outside. It's good for us. It's good for your mental health. It's, you know, it's safer. There's better ventilation. I think a lot of the messaging that the general population is getting is um, pretty much they're hearing like, don't send your kids to camp. And so we get to fight that fight. Yay. Mm Mm-hmm. And camp has certainly been different these past two summers. 
I don't think anybody has run exactly the way they did in 2019. And so many of us, our staff included, are missing what we see or what we remember as the glory days. And so whether they were or not, and I think a lot of them know it won't be the same and aren't ready to come back and face that, that's hard. Um, How do we put camp back together? That's difficult. And are we strong enough as summer staff to put ourselves out there to be a part of that solution? Because it will be harder in in many respects than it was three summers ago. Anything else you want to sort of throw out there before we take a break? I I think that for me, what I'm seeing um, in my circle of people is camp directors burning out, uh, camp pros Mm -hmm. burning out. Mm -hmm. And I think what I see is um, just people turning inwards towards themselves and, um, you know, becoming a little bit more hobbits, you know, (laughs) want to stay in our hobbit holes a little bit more (laughs) understandably. And, um, but the problem with staying in our hobbit holes is that typically in the past, it was kind of almost an oasis, perhaps like a little time to ourselves and a little time to um, regain strength and heal and reflect and process. But now I think our hot holes are isolation, loneliness, overwhelmness, and 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 um and guilt, guilt for not being able to do what you know mm. needs to be done, and the guilt that I've seen is this extreme shame for not being able to support teammates, and extreme shame for not being able to step up or even just stay standing. And I think for there's so many things that we listed, you know, that's not, there's not, you know, we're not in the oppression Olympics here or anything like that. Not one's not one's worse than the other, but I do think specifically for our industry, um, I'm concerned about our camp professionals. I'm not as concerned about our industry, to be honest. I, I think we, I think we can do some stuff and I think there's opportunities, but I'm concerned for the people that have put their, put time and love into our industry and are falling from the wayside. And because they're not part of necessarily like one big organization or community, um, they're not getting the love and support and care that, that they need and deserve. And that's something for me, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a silent. um, I think it's a silent trauma that's happening to our industry, to be honest. And I think people are afraid to talk about it, but I certainly see it in my circle. I'm getting emotional about it because these are people I really care about. And it's, I, th- I think it's that shame, honestly, that it's, it's, it's very difficult and can't people care so hard. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, where's that support? Uh, where's that space for them? And, and how are we, you know, creating space for those individuals? Um yeah, so it's, it's a. I, I think it's it's tough on so many so many camp professionals right now. They've had to leave the their industry or take a break or take a step back. I think it's 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 very tough. Thanks for sharing that, Gab. Yeah. And 
it's reflected again in the tweet thread that Ruby can post. Yeah. One of the things he talked about was uh, where is the support for the people who support the people who support. So our staff members support our campers and care for our campers. And so we support our staff, but then who is supporting us and where Mm -hmm. do we get that? Yeah. So something we can think about and talk about after our message from our sponsors. So when we come back, we'll discuss some possible solutions or things we all maybe need to think about. And it's not all bad news. (laughs) No, no, there's some opportunities. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll stop now just for a, a wonderful message from our sponsor. One of the reasons I enjoy working in the camp industry is that camp people always want to help. Camp directors are problem solvers. And actually, I would argue that camp directors often have the superpower of bringing out the very best in the people around them. Imagine if your camp registration software could bring out the best in your people at camp. Well, UltraCamp can. When you visit ultracampmanagement.com slash camp code, you can download their free guide about building connections with campers, and you can find out more about UltraCamp's transparent and flexible pricing that lets you rest easy and focus on on what is most important, your campers. They offer no long-term contracts. They have clear pricing with no hidden costs. They have a low minimum entry and flexible payment terms. UltraCamp's goal is to provide resources so their clients can spend more time in camp doing what they do best, solving all the world's problems, right? If this all doesn't sound like your registration software, don't you think it should? Visit their website, ultracampmanagement.com slash camp code and set up a time to chat. They look forward to meeting you. All right, we are back. We're going to dive a little bit into what we think we need to be thinking on, pondering on, putting the wheels in motion on, um, or that we just need to hear as an industry. For me, I think the two most important ideas to get across here in this section is, number one, we believe in this industry. We understand its importance. We know in our heart of hearts that a camp experience is one of the most life-changing experiences in a young person's life. It's an opportunity to grow in confidence or figure out some of your passions, make lifelong support systems, friendships, loves. It's a place to connect to the important things in life, nature, art, music, people, to try new things, do new things that you'd never do anywhere else. It's a place where you can be loved for who you are. And for some of our campers and staff, it's the only place. So that's number one. And number two for me is we have the skills to help our industry. Camp people have shown decade after decade that we can adapt and change and grow and learn from mistakes. And we are capable of taking camp in the direction it needs to go. But the question is, how? <laughs> so that's what we're going to dive into here. So Ruby, do you have anything to start us off? Like how, what can we be doing right now when we are feeling overwhelmed by some of the stuff we talked about in the first part of this podcast? Yeah, for sure. Uh, So one, anytime I'm feeling overwhelmed, I like to zoom out. I go take a walk at night. I go for a walk in the woods. I just find a moment to step back and think about things that are going right already and things uh, that are bigger than I am because we can get so hyper-focused on all the challenges and the day-to-day and the this immediate problem that if we zoom out, we can kind of go like, 
oh yeah, there's this whole infinite universe out there. And honestly, like this problem is a, is a temporary problem. (laughs) So um, let me start with just some things that I've seen at some camps um, that do have folks that have stayed in camp for a long time and that have weathered many storms and ridden many waves. Um, Folks that I tend to see that have stuck around in camp for a long time are on staff teams that have a big enough year round staff team. So they tend to be organizations that have more than one person or two people or even three people that are running the organization. And obviously, it's going to depend on the size of your camp for what's an appropriate number. But this idea of the camp director does it all, just nope, get rid of it. (laughs) It's not realistic. You don't have to do it all alone. Um, You're probably going to have to pay someone to do it. You may be in an organization where there's, there is volunteer support, but when there are enough people, then your people are going to be better. Um, I also think about, is there a way for folks who have been with your organization a long time to have, whether it's career progression or ownership buy-in, the longer you're around, is there an opportunity to to buy in to the ownership of the organization or to get a certain level of benefits? Um, there's a lot of ways that could look, but I know one of the outdoor ed programs that I work for, there's been some discussions about making it kind of an employee-owned co-op sort of situation. And it's all kind of mutterings, and I don't know if it's actually going to happen, but it's really interesting. And I'm not hearing a whole lot of outdoor companies talking and and camps specifically talking like that, Uh, especially when you're talking about like seasonal workers or just a few year round folks. Um, And also hand in hand with that, I've seen a couple of organizations lately right around here that are announcing that next wave of ownership or that next wave of leadership. And you're starting to see some people who are my age, who are getting their hands in the pot and have a reason to stick around. So I think that's interesting. Um, you don't hear much in camp about sabbaticals, but I wonder about, is that an option? Is that something I, I had a friend who negotiated into his ownership contract when he came into owning a camp that he would get a sabbatical once every five years. Um, super interesting. <laughs> and like, I remember being like, that's genius. He has since left that camp, but <laughs> I, I think that um, we need to start thinking creatively because we cannot just churn and burn for 12 months straight year after year, after year, after year. And time is the only resource that we have. And it is uncertain how long we have it. So I don't blame folks for looking at working in the camp industry going not worth my time. So what is it that we can do think creatively to let folks know that their time is valued and that they can have some more ownership of their time, either in their roles or in their personal life, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that's where I would start. I love that. And I, I know that for some camps hearing the word sabbatical, you know, sends their stomach in a turn, but but maybe you can start smaller. When Travis and I were directing, we got vacation time, but we also got study time, study leave, and it was paid. And we had four weeks a year that we could take to go do something to better ourselves. And it didn't have to necessarily relate back to camp. It often did just because of the type of people that camp people are. You want to get better at certain things, but sometimes, I mean, you could go take a pottery class. You could go like any of those things. And even if you don't offer pottery at your camp, but something that 
gets your mind going, gets your creative juices flowing, helps you develop as a person, things like that. You can start there instead of a six-month or 12-month sabbatical, which might freak some camps out. But I think that's true. And then offering people who really run the show all of the time. I mean, we could never run camp alone. We have so many people that are part of that team that's doing all that work to offer them more financial buy-in or more uh, uh, benefits or opportunities to do things is brilliant. We just have to think a little bit differently than we've been thinking before. I love that, Ruby. Gab, well, have you got it? Oh, can I just add ahead. on to that yeah, real quick? Because that was one of my other points is just the idea of continuing to learn and creating mm-hmm. opportunities for your people to continue to learn. You are a better educator when you are learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my most favorite weeks ever post camp, like that week after camp, when everybody leaves and goes to the beach or shuts down or sleeps or whatever it is, yeah. I actually went and took a five day leave no trace master educator course and then a two day kayak class. And it was the best. I was not in charge. I got to learn some new stuff, invest in my own skills for the off season. So you need those times and spaces and they are likely going to benefit camp. Like Beth said, um, but it also re-energizes folks. Like we are more interesting and alive when we are learning, we are meant to be lifelong learners. And then if you leave, you still have some like feelings of gratitude, not just, wow, they took everything out of me instead. Like, Oh, I got this, these other passions or interests, or my next path was sparked at camp. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. It, it's so helpful. And um, I've spoken about this before, but I, I took a three-month graphic design course and, and my folks were nervous. I was too, that I would come back and say, you know, I don't want to do camp anymore. And it was complete. It was the reversed. I just learned so much in that course that I wanted to apply to camp and not the graphic design part. It was how the course was led and how the instructors uh, interacted with the students and what it was like for me to be a student and were some things I wished I would have known before I got there. It was just, it was, it just created, I got to sit in a different seat and the perspective was so helpful. Um, and it, and there is like, there is teaching burnout, if you will, you know, um, and we, our cups need to be refilled. Uh, as well. I love the sabbatical um, study leave is, 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 that's very, very cool. And you get to meet new people and make new connections. And, and that's what this is all about. (laughs) That's what we do camp for. So having those opportunities for your staff to be able to do that is, is very cool. And if you can afford it, building that into your budget so your seasonal staff can do some of those things too. Not necessarily take a two-month sabbatical, but can you offer them time to to take courses, something, a two-day course, a three-day course throughout the year mm-hmm. uh, of things that will make them fuller, more interesting, more incredible yeah. people? Mm-hmm. Gabs, have you got anything else? You It felt like you were sort of tacking on to Ruby, but there was yeah. something more you were going to well, say. Yes. I, I think for me is, um, you know, I think, I think for me, we have an opportunity um, to connect with our staff, reduce their anxiety by cleaning up our own messes at camp and, and bringing them in on the conversation. For me, I think there's so many things that I think we can tackle at camp that are representative, reflect, reflected in our world because again camps aren't separate from the quote-unquote real world we are part of it and so we inherit 
um, systemic racism and it happens within our camps. We inherit homophobia. Um, for me, one of the, you know, something that a lot of camps uh, have benefited from is, is uh, you know, Native American appropriation. And our camps are very much from canoeing to archery to the names of our cabins to some of our quote unquote traditions are quite without the knowledge and harmful and acknowledgement and action um, continue to be harmful. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have an opportunity to do two things. One, clean up our mess and show our staff members that that's possible. Uh, and it's not only possible, but it's a priority and that uh, and role model how to do that. And part of it is educating yourself. Part of it is involving them in um, the conversation. And the other part is getting outside counsel. Um, I think that when I when, you know, this weekend we were, you know, I had some of my past leadership team members come to my place and and we're doing a big, you know, staff training uh, prep. And, and one of uh, my teammates said, you know, with all of these other sessions, can we think next year maybe to extend um, our training by a day? Because there's so many more things we want, need to talk about and want to talk about. I know we can't do it for, for this year. And I said, you know, um, perhaps we'll have to financially look at that. Um, But the reality is, you know, I, I also mentioned this in a, in a, best practice in a previous podcast, but Beth, has, uh, Ruby has really opened my eyes in looking at our core values and how do we implement it in each one of our sessions. And so when we were uh, approaching each session, we want to make sure that we were decolonizing the education and language that we're using within those sessions and everywhere from camper care to uh, brushing hair Um you know, my camp is primarily a, 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 a white organization and, and only recently we started talking about different types of hair. Um, we only recently started uh, informing our campers on how to react slash non-react to differences um, in a way of saying, cool, tell me more or whatever. I think that that this type of work can be done within at every stage, within every single session and for the camps that have already been doing this, bravo. Um, I encourage you to, to share what you're doing. So our, we're lifting up our en- industry, but uh, also maybe share outside of our industry so that we're again lifting up maybe our society. But we have an opportunity to clean up our messes and role model it to our staff members. And I do think that um, that's going to reduce anxiety, It's going to, but it's also a responsibility that we have. And that uh, I think we can walk towards proudly um, and not shy away from it. Uh, we, we've messed up, but we've inherited also that mess up, but we have the honor of um, continuing to learn and, and continuing to rectify. The work will never be done, but we have the opportunity to, to do it. Can I add to that, that I think um, even on like, let's really zoom in. I think one of the messes that camp needs as an industry needs to do a better job of is saying goodbye to longtime folks. So, so many times folks who have invested a lot of time and energy and effort and given a ton to a camp are kind of just like 
bye, kicked out the door. We're going to pretend like they were never here. And, you know, and it's the way camp is somebody can be gone for two years and it's like, they were never there. Um, Mm. Somebody can also be gone for two years and there's, you, you still feel their voice and their impact. Right. Um, But that's something else that I've seen that I, I think, unfortunately, I think the camp industry has done a fair amount of taking, 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 taking from folks. And then those folks leave and they may not have very kind things to say about the camp industry because of, yeah, for all the good, but man, they were treated terribly on the way out. And I've seen example after example after example of that. Um, And we just have to do a better job. And, And I think it comes back to some of what you're saying, Gabs, too, is like, we're on survival mode and it's like, all right, whatever that person's not here. I got to fill the position. And Oh, I'm also supposed to talk about racism and and systemic problems. I don't have time for any of this. And so those things get missed. Um, But does that actually really align with our values? Mm -hmm. If we can't act as a values-based organization, or if we say our value is one thing and then we do something very different, that causes people to not trust us. Right. It, right, it, right. it it causes and, and and you know and I know I I know people that are listening have experienced this you know our our staff are also not trusting of authority and for good reason um but I'm not so trusting authority right now myself <laughs> yeah and you know if if you want your staff to truly be a team and and you be a team with them um, we have to be transparent about these things and we have to say, this is what we're doing. This is our plan um, and hear them out, hear their frustration out, but, but also get their hands dirty too, because, you know, we want them to, to do that out, outside of camp. And, and I think that the, the appreciate, appreciation piece that you're talking about, Ruby, for me also speaks to me. Um, I, I'm a out of sight, out of mind type person. And that I've been told that that's my feedback. Also friends, you know, like they know, but they, that's, that's my feedback a a lot of the time. And, and, and I think before I was a little bit more like, they know they, that I care about them. And now I'm seeing, I really have to be intentional about saying thank you. And I need to do that privately. And I need to do that publicly. Um, Camp is a community and it's nothing without its community. Um, so I, I agree. I, I, there's, there's things that, that we sometimes just hyper-focus on because there's more important things to do. Um, but who are we without addressing major unsafe societal issues? And who are we without um, loving and caring the people that have given so much um, to our industry. I think the other thing I thought you were saying, Ruby, and then I realized maybe the turn that you're taking, you took, but what I, what I thought you were saying was we've got to get rid of some of the people that have been around for a long time. But I also agree to that too. I not wrong. If, I, I think if they're not, um, if they're un, unable to shift with the times with the education that you're providing them and the training that they're pri- providing them, are they safe for your industry? Are they your organization? Are they, um, you know, contributing to the type of culture that you're trying to create within uh, your camp? If if pronouns, you know, and you're using pronouns within your camp very intentionally, and this person not, you know, is not making an effort um, and is not totally and quote unquote doesn't believe in it, 
is this something that is um, what are you, what, what's happening with, with your organization, you know, how we're trying to create a safe space for everybody. So I also think if somebody has been there for a really long time and we can't get them to that next level, I, I think they, that we have to seriously think about what we're doing, uh, to the participants in, in our organization, what we're exposing them to. I'm going to take us in a different direction for a second. Sure. Talk a little bit about what we can do when the camp industry is flailing a little bit because people are not sending their kids to camp. Mm. And I think it all starts with telling our story, with sharing the stories of camp in as many settings as possible. And for no other reason than we are a people of relationship and stories are the way we share who we are how we struggle, what's important to us. It's how we connect with others. And it lets folks know that they're not alone and that there are others out there who are just like them. And by telling stories, it's how we create empathy and understanding and connection. And we need to share our stories with whomever will listen and not just to our people, but to other businesses who deal with children or teens or families, and not just for the purpose of getting more staff or more campers, but for the sole purpose of sharing what we know, what we've learned, and how we're trying to move forward. And yes, maybe we will get some new campers and staff out of sharing our stories, maybe likely, but the point is to start that conversation, the positive, affirming poignant conversations about camp, how it's helped us, how it's changed us, like things like thanks to camp or because of camp. And we can put those links um, in our show notes as well. And Gab, of course, uh, has been very important in the thanks to camp role, but we need the rest of the world to understand us better, that we're not just about making macaroni necklaces and singing Kumbaya. And the rest of the world needs to know that even if they never come to camp and even if they never send their kids to camp. I think it's important that we tell that story. I think that that only that can help our industry and the world at large for me. Any thoughts on that? That was also on my list. So thanks for saying it. <laughs> Sorry about that, Ruby. <laughs> no, I, you said it better than I was going to say it, but yeah, I agree. More people talking about it and reflecting on the importance of camp and what it has given them and et cetera, et cetera. Because I think that will also lead to how camp can do it better. If, if this is what we've done well, what do, and Gab has already touched on this, uh, quite beautifully, but what else can we do mm-hmm. to make it better? And I think only by talking and sharing those stories will we get some of those answers, you know, because we don't necessarily know what people need unless we make those connections. Mm-hmm. And and by making those connections and talking about our story, I think that creates connections with our alumni who can also, who value their experience at camp. Yes. And, so many have said, I wouldn't be where I am today or wouldn't be the person I am today without mm-hmm. camp and um, how they can contribute, you know, to your um, staff training, to your camp um, behind the scenes uh, or on stage or offsite, on site. There's so many opportunities where 
where we can find places for people to help contribute and strengthen our, not only our, our own community, but our industry. It, that makes me think of a, a podcast I heard a while ago that was talking about um, folks who were canvassing for elections and knocking on people's doors and trying to get folks to vote for their candidates and um, single issue issue voters. And the the particular podcast I listened to talked about someone going, I can't remember, it was either, um, it might have been both, um, gay rights and like gay marriage. Uh, and then there was one storyline where they were talking about abortion. And so, you know, person knocked on the door and said, tell me what you think about this. And they're like, I'm really anti-abortion. I'm very, you know, pro-life. And then the person who was there would share like, well, Hey, like, I want to tell you my story. And my story is that this is what happened to me. And I did have an abortion and, and the number of people who engaged in that very personal conversation, who then they may not have said, you've really changed my mind on how I feel, but instead said, oh gosh, now I have a little bit of better understanding why someone might make that choice and can respect it a bit more or value it a little bit more. Or I don't just see that person as evil, <laughs> you know, which is right how our society is splitting right now. Mm-hmm. Like we are just fracturing into yes. someone who doesn't agree with me. I just don't, I don't talk to them, you know, and that's not healthy. And so that idea of being able to share stories and create those connections becomes really critical in a way forward, I think. And that division mm-hmm. is, I think what eats away at my soul these days yeah. is that anger and, um, one side or the other, but there's no room in the middle somewhere. And I think our world needs to rebuild trust, a foundation of kindness and respect for everybody. And I know this is a really tall, tall order, but I think we can role model that not (laughs) just at camp, but in the outside world too. So what skills can we teach at camp for kids this summer and staff to bring back, to change their communities for the better. What lessons have we learned working with people, especially over the last two years, that can help teachers and parents and caregivers and employers? And so I don't want to think about this right now, put it on the back burner, but are there articles that you could write at summer's end for your local newspaper or your online blog or a parenting magazine? Are there workshops you could offer in the fall to local businesses about staff culture or staff training? I mean, who does that better than camp people? Can we set up online support systems for our staff throughout the school year? Monthly Zoom meetings where we do small or large group check-ins. Can we set up a way to connect with each staff member throughout the year? So we're thinking ahead about holiday cards or individual messages via Instagram or text or photos of a great camp moment that we could email or better yet mail out in the fall that has a little thank you, like just of that one staff person doing something great with a child. Um, Thank you letters for all your hard work and differences that they made this summer that they received sometime in September or October or a Bonjoro video telling telling you how much, telling them how much you miss them. We need to stay connected and we need to make them feel a part of something special. We talk about this all the time on Camp Code. So like I started thinking about all these kinds of things, like can you set up a task force to help you work on these issues starting now? Could be staff, could be alumni or parents or donors. Is there a budget you can put towards this think tank? It'll be money well spent. Can you apply now 
to speak at conferences about lessons that you've learned these last two years and not just camp conferences. Remember, we're going to tell our story to everybody. Think of how many industries, businesses need trainings on consent, on DEI, on building confidence. So many camp lessons that we can share. Can we set up more scholarships for staff and campers who may be unable to afford camp? By telling our story to more people, we're going to find more like-minded folk who want to contribute to making the world a better place and may have some money to donate or some support in some way. Like, I, I feel we need to be starting a revolution, you know, this movement to take back the world, to make it kinder, gentler, more inclusive. And we know that young people are so much more open and ready. And so if we can inspire them and give them the tools and facilitate some brainstorming ideas, maybe we can get a little further ahead. Here's yeah, here, here. Right. I, yeah, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's like, you know, um, I think for, I think for me, like, you know, camp is the place to do this. Like we do have that opportunity and we don't have to do it alone, you know? And I think that's, that's the key. Like it's, I I read this thing um, the other day that, that said uh, we went from horses to being on the moon in under a hundred years. And then, and then underneath it said, uh, don't tell me we can't change climate change. Mm -hmm. And and I was like, I, I think I needed that little sort of perspective check, you know, saying like, if, if we, if we come together, you know, I, I really think we can do some, some magical things. Um, but certainly when you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, um, that is, uh, that is definitely, um, that feels lonely and difficult. And it's very, very hard to lift. Like when you're moving all the camp beds, it's very hard if you do it by yourself <laughs> and you get, you bang your shins and you're just angry and irritated. You're like, ah, my shins, those metal beds. <laughs> I guess what we're saying today is we believe in you. We know the importance of the work you do, the skills and the abilities you've honed, the creativity you've developed and the passion that you have for camp. And yes, it may feel far more stressful than it has, and there may be more work than ever before, but there's also more reason than ever before to bring camp to the outside world. And if we all do our part, just a little bit, each of us working together to share our stories, our ideas, our challenges and successes, we can make some strides in rebuilding and re-strengthening the foundation of what it's really all about taking care of each other, supporting one another, and making this a world that we are proud to leave for the next generation. So you've got this. And when you don't, we're all here for each other. So season nine wraps up with our very final recap of the year. Gab, what have you got? Dun, 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 dun. I think it's, it's, it's truly just a couple of points. One, the tough things that are happening in the outside world. Uh, we have an opportunity to work with our staff and learn together how we can shift those things. So this for me is a big positive. Second, we can tell our stories. How are we doing what we are doing? And by doing that, we're bringing people in such as our alumni and other people from the industry. And it also helps for our families to understand the value that they're uh, children are getting from camp and not just our campers, but our staff members as well. 
And when they see that value, then they can validate uh, the experiences that our campers and staff members experience. And lastly, you can't do this alone and we shouldn't do it alone. Uh, We need support too. Our staff members can be our support. Our family and friends can be our support. Um, uh, But the end of the day, when you're feeling alone, that's our key maybe moment to say, hey, who can I reach out to, to just talk about what I am going through. And you are worth learning and growing and taking time to yourself as well. When you do that, your camp is going to benefit from it. I know sometimes we feel like we have so much to do and there's just absolutely no time to do it. But trust me, when you do take that time, you're going to see that those big problems actually sort of dissolve or those solutions just are offered to you like a delicious plate that's made from somebody that cares about you. And (laughs) for us at Camp Code, we do believe in you and we do believe in our industry. And I couldn't feel more privileged and grateful to be chatting with Beth and Ruby um, throughout this year and throughout the past seasons. Um, I learn and thank you for being my support. I don't feel alone. And that's because of both of you. Thanks, Gab. Here is how you can get involved. You can tell us your thoughts on this episode or any episode by using the hashtag camp code. And you can also tell us any topics you'd like us to discuss for next season, of course, any guests you recommend that we have on the show or any great leadership training tips you have to share. Remember, we're sharing, we're telling our stories. We would love to hear from you because we are all about sharing in this industry. And if you found our podcast to be useful, we would love it if you could leave us a review and a rating in your podcasting app because your feedback helps us keep the show going. Ruby, how can folks get a hold of you? You can email me ruby at rubyoutdoors.com or follow me on Instagram at rubyoutdoors. Thank you. And Gab, how about you? You can reach out to me at info at waro.com. Check out where I work at waro.com, O-U-A-R-E-A-U. And you can follow me on Instagram at Gabrielle Rail. Rail takes two L's. Thanks, Gab. And our website is gocamp.pro. I'm Beth at gocamp.pro if you want to email me. And I'm on Twitter at Topaz. For our next podcast, well, you'll just have to wait until the fall to find out, (laughs) but no doubt it will be topical. It'll come out of conversations we all have at camp or with fellow directors, and we hope, as always, it'll be useful to all of you. Our final segment on each podcast is a best practice for leadership training. And again, we would love to hear some of your memorable moments or your most effective tips. And you can tell us what they are using that hashtag camp code. And this week's best practice comes from Ruby. All right. So I know some of you are done with training by the time this episode is coming out and some of you are just gearing up, but no matter what, it's probably supply ordering season. I know it isn't my house. And so I just want to encourage you to make your life a little easier is please, please, please build yourself a spreadsheet that has links to all the different places that you order from. So instead of having to Google and be like, oh, where did I get that thing from? Or what was the Amazon link? Or who was that local company? I used, just have a link that you can click and then have that thing ordered to you and you don't have to do all that work. Uh, So I usually actually spend a little time in November and December pricing stuff out and finding new links and doing that research when I have a little more time. And then that way, when it is finally time to make my orders, I can open up that spreadsheet, click the couple of links, see who has the best price, and then make my orders right then and there. 
So highly recommend having that ordering link spreadsheet. I know it's a super like zoomed in thing, but man, it is a game changer. And if that's not something you've ever built before, now is the time to do it Uh, and encourage your staff to any leadership team members that if they're making supply orders to record where they're getting stuff from as well. Thank you, Ruby. And very shocking that you are offering us the tip of building a spreadsheet. (laughs) (laughs) But it's incredibly wise and very smart. People should take you up on that. CampCode is part of the GoCamp Pro podcast network, and you can check out all of our other podcasts at gocamp.pro slash podcasts. And as we tell you every time, there are amazing people with very wise advice. So look them up and give them a listen. And in fact, Ruby's going to tell us a little bit about what she's listened to most recently. Today, I want to invite you to check out the Camp Hacker podcast, the OG podcast, if you will. Um, If you enjoyed today's conversation, the Camp Hacker podcast explores a variety of topics with in-depth discussions of the challenges, issues, and benefits of working as a camp professional. As the longest-running Go Camp Pro podcast, if you've ever had a question about something in the industry... They've probably talked about it. Uh, And also Gabrielle's on the podcast too. It's so cool. Uh, So I recommend you subscribe to the Camp Hacker feed in your podcasting app. Back to you, Beth. Thanks, Ruby. And for now, as we sign off for the summer, we want to thank our generous sponsor, UltraCamp, for making our podcast possible. To give a huge shout out to Etienne Cobalt Lefebvre for his editing and for giving us his time to the camp community. And gave him a lot of work this year. <laughs> we, we really did. did. <laughs> <laughs> Including today's recordings. And to Matt Iskis Wilfred, our executive producer, for all of his yeah. guidance and support. And Iskis, congratulations to you on your new camp director position. We are awfully thrilled to have you back full time in the camp world. And of course, from all of us here at Camp Code, thanks for the listening, friends. Please remember, no other industry shares their best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea you heard on a Go Camp Pro podcast, please be professional and remember to give credit where credit is due. The Camp Code is brought to you by Go Camp Pro. Thanks for the listening, friends. Camp Hacker bringing your world into focus.